I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz <laughs> Hey, everyone. I'm Rachel Goodman. We're here to talk Narcos Mexico Season 2, Episode 7. We've got voter fraud to talk about and something with, you know, lots of manipulation in the computer systems and just so much more to get on with with Felix and we'll have some Pablo and just a lot of things going down with Breslin. But joining me today, we have Rob, our filmmaker. Thanks for the applause. <laughs> and stay tuned until the end where we share in our special segment our favorite moments of this episode. So Let's dive right in. Uh, we had uh, we had a lot going on. So yes. um, more so, I feel like this a lot of this was set up for what we're going to see in episode eight. Mm-hmm. But in terms of seven, um, where where did you think we see Felix? We see that the heat is really coming down on him. Um, and one of the things that they introduce us to is this software called Snipe. Yes. What did you think about all of this? <laughs> um, so I, the whole thing with Snipe, I knew I knew that is the moment that it was introduced that uh, Felix would try to find a way to manipulate it. I knew it from the second. You could see like the gears turning in his head when when they're explaining Snipe to him. Yeah. And I knew he would find a way to manipulate it in his favor because I mean at that time there's a lot of corruption going on. And when you have somebody who's at the roots of it, hanging out around the roots of it, yeah. and of course, that's what they're going to do. And I understood the concept that if they, they weren't actually going to change the votes, right. all they were going to do was make it look like the, the PRI was winning so that people who would have gone out to vote wouldn't because it would be basically false advertising and almost make like if you're looking and you see that a certain party is winning mm-hmm. you're like okay well my vote's not going to change anything i'm going to stay home so yes. that was the goal so technically it was just to prevent them prevent the pri from losing by mm-hmm. manipulating the early results which you know really weren't they were in favor of the other candidate so yes it just was not looking good for the pri uh i felt bad for moreno too mm-hmm. um not knowing i mean we we haven't gotten to it yet but um just knowing that he's the person responsible for the software and the fact that he's going to be the one who they don't have the, the software is not ready yet right. when it is ready he's going to be the one on the line for making sure that it works yes but he's a good talker and i could like from the beginning when i saw him i was like okay this guy is going to be the guy that um they're going to put out there to explain if anything goes wrong since he already knows a way to like manipulate it he's going to be the subject matter expert and with him he's you know really into tech so he could explain in a couple of uh long tech words and the, the average viewer or listener would be like, okay, and just go with it. Yeah. And you need a guy like that. I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, they're venturing into – this is a form of voter suppression. <laughs> I mean, it's a very slick way of doing it. But, yeah. I mean, you're not you're preventing people to vote, but you're taking all the hope out of their vote. Exactly. It's a, it's a very um, – like technically outside of this manipulation being very illegal, right. they are not actually changing a vote this way. Right. They're just – just convincing people not to go out and keep voting because if they think that their candidate's losing, mm-hmm. the idea, and I think this is very accurate, if yeah. you're watching, even now, if you're watching, you know, if you're seeing that your candidate's losing, you're probably like, okay, well, what's the point? I, I'm not going to win anyway. I'm staying home. Right. <laughs> and 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 
just watching, you know, politics throughout my whole life, yeah. you know, in in our country, you know, here in America, like you see people ride the wave, you know, when people see a, a candidate, you know, g- uh, gaining steam and moving up. So a lot of people jump on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And when they see somebody going down, a lot of people jump off that bandwagon. Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. Like anything else, if they think yeah. it's like even, you know, kind of getting away from politics too, celebrities, which is kind of, you know, in this world, everything's about the media anyway. So it's all appearances and who mm-hmm. you think is the winner, you're going to back that person. That's right. That's, yeah. that's why there's so many New England Patriots fans. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> there's a lot of them. You guys well, just popped up between 2003 and 2010. But. Well, as a former as a former Philadelphian, and Ryan, Ryan in the booth can back me up, uh, I will not say anything because go uh, Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> yeah. But um, getting back to this anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> somehow we got into the Eagles. I'm sorry. I had to say that. Um, so we had just a lot of things. Like We know that the pressure is really on for Felix, and we know that if he if he loses the PRI, he's done. Right. Uh, if he loses it, because they are the people supporting him. So mm-hmm. everything is on the line. And we know that if they do not win, that he is going to jail. Right. And he even he um, even meets uh, at the beginning of the episode. He yeah, like he just everybody is warning him, like, be cautious. And we've seen that throughout the season, too, mm-hmm. um, including Maria. He actually visits her <laughs> yeah. despite her, you know, repeatedly telling him no. I guess this is before the era of restraining orders. Right. <laughs> but her, you know, despite her asking him not to come by, he's very insistent and she keeps saying, you know, you better watch out. <laughs> yeah. Very creepy with his approach, too. I just park the car and watch it from a distance. Yeah, at the school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is stuff you'd be arrested for anywhere else in the world. But I mean, when you are are lying in bed with all of the powerful politicians and the police. You know, you can do what you want in Felix's position. But I do like the way that he does it with, you know, he still, you know, approaches and tries to watch and to try to meet her, even though she says no, because it shows, like, his power in the world. But even when he's with her, there is no power. Yeah. She has the power. Absolutely. And she tells him to leave, and he leaves, comes back, leave again. You know, I like seeing that. That's the one, you know, we've been talking about this season with the whole power dynamics and scenes, and this is one of them that's a, a, a repetitive one, that a good repetitive one that I like. Because yeah. just when, you know, you have the, the symbolism of power, you know, it, then you have someone just taking it right out of you. And so. it all goes back to the beginning in that first, well, the beginning of season two with mm-hmm. the tiger and how Felix was watching the tiger chained up. And I think that what this season done has done has been excellent in the fact that they have shown how tied up and chained Felix is. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have his wins, but so far we're seeing more um, failure than anything right. else um, until, you know, once we talk about episode eight. We kind of see an upswing, but right now, mm-hmm. it everything is on the line for him. And then on top of that, uh, he actually listens to taped phone conversations, uh, yes. which make him realize that uh, Pablo and Palma are both not on his side. And he's they like his people try to warn him, hey, no, like it's not exactly Pablo, but. No, at this point, Felix is just done with both of them. 
Yes, and Felix also has burned his bridges with both of them because Pablo is one of his oldest, you know, friends. Yeah. So to see Pablo, you know, going out and talking about him in this manner, that kind of shows that this is like the beginning of the end because this is, you know, since he wanted to talk about Rome, you know, as we know, Brutus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we know how that went. I guess he didn't finish that book. But no. I just, you know, seeing that as a very pivotal moment because now, you know, you have people in your camp conspiring against you. And now you have to make a decision. You have to make a move because if you don't, that may cause a domino effect. Other people who see that as weakness will start to conspire against you as well. Yeah. So he's in a position. And so let's talk a little bit about that then. We have everything going on with Palma. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not think he was going to to survive. (laughs) I was very shocked. Uh, but also, I feel like he, I feel like Felix definitely made the wrong decision going after him. Right. That this is going to come to bite him. Yeah. I do like that scene, though. It, <laughs> it, was, it was very Scarface. Yes, it yeah. was. And I loved how uh, Azul was just, he walks in, eats a piece of chicken, and <laughs> <Yeah. See, laughs> fight. <laughs> I thought, I mean, first of all, the fact that it was, um, I, I'm trying to think of his name at the moment, but Which his, one? his um, Palma's wife's boyfriend who called to warn them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Let me see if I can find his name just so I make sure that I'm not you know, misrepresenting anything here. But the boyfriend calls, and he's the one who actually warns the family that, hey, you need to run. And I thought that part of the reason why Azul was tasting the chicken was because he wanted to see how long it had been since they had run. Yes. I Well, I thought the, the reason why he touched it was to see how far they were going. But it totally seems like within Azul's character, just to eat a piece yeah. of the chicken and have a swig of <laughs> tequila. I'm like, wow, this guy is just making himself at home. Like, yeah. I would have been looking around. You know, the, the, he, <laughs> Yeah, the alcohol, I was like, okay, I don't really, you know, that's just extra. But <laughs> Yeah, it also shows how long Azul has been doing this because Azul is just casually walking around. You guys check the house. I'm going to check here. Walking around, yeah. trying the food, you know. But the, that, that was a great scene for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I could see the wife and kids getting away but uh i did not think palma was going to so mm-hmm. i was uh, you know but i was i was happy to see that no i mean obviously people died but right. that i was actually happy to see palma survive yeah i but i wonder what would have happened if if palma would have died how would that have changed things you know yeah because azul is is uh Sinaloan as well those guys are all like i don't uh, yeah. yeah and then um you know just you know just everybody else in the Sinaloans. like mm-hmm. i just even even the fact that palma survived this, I just think that this would cause a riot and that there would be people going for Felix now. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I guess it doesn't work like that. (laughs) There's still a method to everybody's madness. You know, you still can't go after the king, you know, if he has the rest of the kingdom united with him. So you're just one branch of it. But I would see the the Sinaloans would be full within their right to seek blood. Yeah, or maybe get other people to join them and then go off. Yeah, that that as well. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, or before we get to our special segments, uh, let's talk about the meeting that we saw between Mimi and Breslin, because uh, yeah. this was pretty important. It actually, I thought that this was going to be a way for Pablo to actually get to the U.S., but mm-hmm. what I had going for me is that when I went to the premiere of season two, uh-huh. um, I didn't actually get to see anything, but when I was interviewing everyone, 
um, I talked to um, the actress who plays Mimi, uh, who uh, basically hinted that things did not go well. Uh, okay. So I was like, okay, is this the moment? Is this is this what we've been waiting for? Right. And so um, watching it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is not like I just knew from what I had heard that this wasn't going to end well. Right. Oh, that's and that's that's right. And also, that's awesome that you got to meet her. I yeah. I found that that was Kevin Bacon's daughter. daughter I, I yeah. didn't know that. And the interesting <laughs> thing is, Kevin Bacon. Uh, it's funny. I didn't know this when I interviewed her, but Kevin Bacon actually went to my elementary school. Back, oh, really? Yeah. And so, if I had known, maybe I would have talked to her about this. But I didn't realize that oh, until okay. after the fact. But yeah, Kevin yeah. Bacon's daughter. That's interesting. Um, that's equally interesting as the as the meeting between uh, Mimi and yeah. Breslin. Yeah, of course, <laughs> because though, like, I, I there was one point that I saw that, and this is uh, another theme that I keep seeing over and over throughout this season of Narcos. Um, when Breslin meets Mimi in the bar, he kind of dismisses her. And then there's a little bit of mansplaining and a little bit of misogynistic behavior, but okay. But in other episodes, we keep seeing the men keep dismissing the women, and then yeah. the women explain what it is at the end. And I love that. That's another how we talked about power dynamics. You know, mm-hmm. he comes in, okay, tell your boyfriend or whoever sent you, blah, 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 blah. And then she explains to him, no, this is what's happening. I have this, and then we're going to go here. And that's that's really cool. I'm glad that that's a theme that I keep seeing. And, it, and the payoffs are really great, though. Whenever this happens. Yeah, and while it is infuriating to see the way that Breslin treats Mimi at first, because we've seen her side and Mm -hmm. we've been through her perspective. uh, So at first, I was very, I was irritated with his treatment. But at the same time, I also understood that he is a cop in the, you know, he's an agent in the 80s, number one. It was different back then. Number two, he doesn't know who she is. She could be out to kill him. Like, who is she? First, he wasn't sure that she was even telling him the truth. He's been burned so many times. But then, two, even if she was who she said she was, then, you know, once he even found out that she was the girlfriend of Pablo Acosta, it's like, okay, but is this a trap? So right. I understood his behavior from that perspective of mm-hmm. he does not trust what's going on with this person. Yes, I, I understand too. But also, I mean, you meet an American in Mexico that's telling you about these things. You that's something I would consider like re, I would take really serious. Yeah. Like if if I was in a foreign country looking for somebody and one American knows all these details, okay. What else does this American know? Is this person involved? Should I be calling backup? Something like that, yeah. you know. But I think at that time is he didn't have any any backup. He did, I think he was all alone he's at that point. Been rogue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and so his deal now is one he didn't know if he could trust Mimi, mm-hmm. and then obviously Pablo. Um, they had a very interesting conversation though between Pablo and um, Breslin, mm-hmm. in that they both had brothers who had gotten into drugs and the thing for me is that going back to the crook versus bandit conversation a couple episodes ago you can just tell that despite pablo's you know illegal activities he's a good person you can just feel it you can you know just the way the way that they're presenting him in the show anyway for the real guy i'm sure that there are things that we are not seeing in this but as far as the show's concerned he comes across as a guy who does do the morally right thing when it comes to people and you know helping them um, and being, you know, just in general, being able to relate to somebody else who's lost a brother getting caught up in the drug business. Yes. And I also like how, you know, these are two 
kind of people that are cut from the same cloth because Breslin is abandoned in his own right. You yeah. know, this is no longer the good guy and the bad guy kind of thing. This is almost a re- this is a revenge kind of deal. You know, yeah. there's a lot of pride here and there's a lot of honor and his honor is honoring his fallen comrade. Well, not so much his comrade, but following one of his fallen officers and, you know, correcting what or making getting some payback rather yeah. and uh I, another thing i liked about that whole scene with those two guys talking breslin and acosta how they're on the roof just casually talking acosta loves work he's always working like anytime we meet up with him in any episode he's doing some kind of work on the roof yeah like you would just think he's like you know a regular guy just from just his attitude and his hard labor like it just feels he feels more just like any person you might see who's your neighbor not yeah. a drug lord <laughs> he's, he's a bandit, and I think there's yeah. a bandit in all of us, I of guess. Of course. So you hear that at home, kids. <laughs> Be a bandit, not a crook. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of uh, crooks, let's talk about Kaderani, because we learned at the uh. very end of the episode that he is actually a quadruple spy. Yes. I wonder what country he's really working for. Yeah, really? I think it's somewhere in Europe. I'm not even sure if it's in like Central America or South America or North America. I don't think he's like... And somewhere else. I just wanted to read this too for anyone who, you know, hasn't seen who's kind of, you know, a little memory's a little foggy on why he's a quadruple agent. Uh, okay, so Calderoni, the cop who became a double agent for Gallardo organization, then a triple agent for Walt's team, and now a quadruple agent for Felix again. So Calderoni is, he basically rats out uh, the uh Acosta's presence Mm -hmm. and that's the situation and that is how I mean nobody as far as we know the FBI doesn't know yet that what Calderani's up to right um, but I just I, I I wasn't surprised. I think that we've kind of been predicting that from the first time we saw Calderoni. Well, I was surprised that he followed Breslin to Ohinga. Like I, I didn't see that coming because last time I saw him, he was somewhere else. Obviously, with the guy, you know, with um. The guy who was, uh, I forgot his name, so many criminals in this. But, um, yeah, he was following the, the nephew. Amato. Amato, yes. And he was making sure he didn't say anything. And then he just pops up inside of uh, Ohinga, outside yeah. of his room. And that makes, and, you know, that made me think, okay, like, if he's popping up here, where else has he popped up? Yeah. Where, what else does he know? And I think that's why he has switched so many times because he's mm-hmm. very good. He's very stealthy and is good at maneuvering around and not being seen. I didn't even we, but you know, I didn't know that he was there at all. Like they made it very, um, like he was very elusive. And just when we did see him, I didn't even recognize who he was at first. I had to watch it back. Um, a yeah. couple of times because he was like all cloaked up and yeah. made it very hard to see him. Yeah, I think a little bit of that is on Breslin too. Breslin is the only guy, you know, the only gringo in that town. And of course people are going to talk. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe he should, I don't know if how he could have went about it differently, but yeah. um, Calderona, yeah, I don't want to say he's, he's scum, but I don't know. Oh. I don't know his, <laughs> like, I don't know what to make of him. He's, he switches every time, you know. Uh, the only thing I can say that it, it was bad judgment on Breslin because mm-hmm. he should have recognized this guy has already done this before. Yeah. Why would you ever trust him? And I think Walt's team was very smart to not trust this guy. Right. And Walt should have listened to them. But it is what it is. You can't change the past now. That's true. Yeah. So let's talk about our favorite moments in this episode for our segment. Rob, what was your favorite moment? Okay. So my favorite moment is... um, 
Is the driver revealing that Felix put the hit out on him? Yeah. So that that's one of my favorite moments. And because it changed everything, we could have... The driver, it says something about him. I mean, he could have easily not given her the information because he was having an affair with her. And if uh, Palma is killed, then he's out of the way. And now... He can be with her openly and live a happy life, what have you. But I do think it it also shows his allegiance to his boss. You know, he is with her. He likes being with her and wants to be more. But he likes working for his boss boss and likes to move up in the world. And him putting, uh, excuse me, uh, the contrast between the two, you know, the, the love interest and him moving up in the world, I think that shows a lot about him. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I think when I was Googling this, a lot of people felt the same way, that they were surprised that he didn't just let it happen yeah. so that he could be with Palma's wife. Right, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I would have thought. Yeah, um, and then also, I guess for me then, I would say my favorite moment was when we saw Pablo with Breslin on top of the roof, just two guys who maybe could be buddies in a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated their conversation. And I appreciated just the way that the dialogue was delivered. Nothing came out like immediately. It was very much peppered into the scene yes. in terms of what we got in the character development and this reveal at the end with Pablo dropping on Breslin. Yeah, you know what you told me about your brother? Me too. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I really loved that. And I loved like we've been talking a lot about the power dynamic in scenes. And in this particular case while I did feel there was a shift at times, I never felt like one man had the greater shift over the other. Mm -hmm. It was more like these were equally strong people who were having a conversation and really listening to each other, even if they didn't speak. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, on that note, that wraps up our episode. Uh, Rob, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rob Stilo. That's S-T-E-L-O. And I'm Rachel Goodman. You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author Instagram account at Rachel Radner Author. Until next episode, we will talk to you all later. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 